The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We, Optimist, aren't you? Yeah, well, it, it's sunny anyway. I, I'm told that it's warm, but I haven't been outside yet. So I'm going to have to take somebody's word for it, I guess, which is never a good idea. I don't ever do that, so... <laughs> Um, I, 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 we're, we're less than what, uh, 20 or about 26 hours from the trade deadline expiring. Uh, three o'clock Eastern. So I don't know. Um, 29 hours, maybe, oh, maybe 28, yeah. something like that. I don't know. Isn't it like three o'clock, four o'clock? I don't get it. Yeah. So yeah, a, a little bit over a day, a full day. And so far, we've had in this month, we've had three three weeks of not much happening. Like there have been four substantive trades of players that at least twenty percent of the average fans uh, in any given market are going to recognize. No, 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 no. I tend to disagree. Do you honestly are you okay. honestly trying to tell me that Montreal acquiring Joseph Blandisi and Jacob Lucchini? isn't important to them. Sorry. I really tried to do that with a straight face and it didn't work. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it's important to the equipment maker uh, who will want to get the uh, names right on their jerseys um, to other people. Mm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm just being unduly pessimistic, but I do not believe that those are the two guys who are going to bring the next championship to Montreal. Uh, yeah, it's just a hunch. You're being very pessimistic. I just found it very, I found it very intriguing that during all of this trade, all of these trades, and one thing this year is that I've noticed, I've kind of noticed the trend, but this year they seem to have started very early. I mean, usually trade deadline day used to be this the the buzz and everything. Last year, it seemed to be, eh, except for the Bruins, they get Charlie Coyle, I get it, they got Mark. But it, it, the deals are getting done earlier and earlier in February, even late January. Uh, you, you know, you have to scroll back a little bit and, and, and to find out that, say, I mean, Tipoli was done a few days ago, and, and it, Blake Coleman was like the first shot across the bow. Yes, Maple Leafs had to acquire Jack Campbell. It, like it just, even Jack Campbell is effectively their third goaltender because they had two injuries at that time. Uh, no, they had Fred Anderson injured and they had Michael Hutchinson who wasn't good, but still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a necessity to acquire him. I don't know that they were planning to acquire a goaltender. I mean, realistically, if you if you back in September, I told you. The day before the deadline, we're going to be discussing whether Tyler Toffoli to Vancouver or Jason Zucker, the 600-year-old Jason Zucker, uh, to Pittsburgh is the biggest trade of the deadline. Uh, You'd have said what? Let's skip talking about the deadline entirely? I just said you're crazy because neither one of them. I'm gonna say I, I just said neither one of them because they're, I don't think they're both the most important deal at the deadline. I'm sure Vancouver feels that acquiring another yet another LA King is gonna help them, 
I, I suspect they're happier about the two additional draft picks, honestly. I mean, Trevor Moore is a solid depth forward. Um, but Trevor Moore. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're on. You're on a different deal. I was going to say they gave up Tim Schaller, who is a, a, a he's a fourth line player, third line player. He puts the puck in the net a little bit. He gives you some. He gives you some good two way play. Giving up Tyler Madden, we've seen the kid play at Northeastern for a couple of years. For uh, it, yeah, Tyler Tyler Madden, in my opinion, is going to be a very good NHL player. I'm not going to say great, elite, any of that, no, but he's going to be very good. His dad played for New Jersey, uh, and they gave up a second round and a conditional fourth, which the pick transfers, I guess, if Tyler Toffoli stays, it goes back to Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, it. the thing the thing with uh, Madden, yeah, most players go to college as they mature a little bit. He's twenty; uh, he won't be uh, twenty-one until this November. Mm-hmm. They normally put on a little weight. He's still listed at one hundred and fifty pounds. That's concerning. I know the NHL has gotten less physical in the last six or seven years, but 150 is, pounds doesn't leave much with anything at 5'11". At, at I mean, 5'11", 150 is a worry because what does Nick Suzuki weigh? What does Kyler Yamamoto weigh? They're both tiny. But they're, I don't think any of them are that small. I mean, we've talked about David Krejci looking like uh, he's – on a starvation diet for the last decade. Um, and he, and look at the injuries that he suffered. Uh, Agree. No, that's, uh, it's a fair point. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto is five, eight and 153 pounds. So three inches less height and three more pounds. Uh, the density, uh, who is the other one? Uh, Nick Suzuki. Let's see. Nick Suzuki. Montreal. 20 years old. Um, he's listed at, he's 5'11 and 200 pounds. <laughs> 200? Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. Somebody. Uh, Ryan Suzuki is 6 feet and 180 pounds. Yeah, still somebody's lying. Uh, anyway, no, I just look at I still, th- I don't know. I, maybe they didn't pay as much as I. I, I just, I thought the, I thought the price tag was a little high for Toffoli, but it was gonna be. Uh, I think that the Bruins, they would have even asked for more. The, the deal that the Bruins made, and I'm sure we'll get into it as we progress with the show. Uh, but yeah, no, my, just my thoughts on this so far. This lovely procedure that we have every year is just that it, it, it's. The 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 excitement of deadline day is, I think, kind of waning in the last couple of years. It, things oh, are getting done quicker and quicker. Waning. You know, I, I understand that, that, that the NHL Network is going to have you know TSN's trade deadline talk all day, and they'll have uh, the usual suspects with Brian with Berkey and 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 and. I don't know, maybe a PJ stock or 
Kiprios, uh, yeah. the usual suspects that they have on TSN, and they'll spend all day talking about it, and they'll wait for everybody to come up with their little deals on their phones. And but I don't know that it's going to be as exciting. I mean, I just it just teams aren't waiting; they can't because as you get, as we saw, you know, Blake Coleman being the first shot across the bar going to Tampa Bay. I didn't even know Blake Coleman was on the market. Neither did I. I mean, one could assume that everyone in the, in, uh, the Devils was on the market, but um, just jumping back to the size question, oh, okay. uh, yeah. the, the two largest uh, players in the NHL are Jamie o- uh, Oleskiak at 255 and Zidane Ochar at 250. They're yeah. the only guys over 250 pounds officially. Um, I'm assuming that uh, they're also both over six seven. So yes, um, <laughs> and that's uh, out of 870 players. Can you guess how many players there are under 160 pounds? Uh, Twelve. Uh, you would be wrong. You would be. Oh. There are three exactly three players listed at under 160 pounds. Oh, at okay. least only two of whom I've actually seen play um, Kyler, uh, Kyler Yamamoto and Paul Byron. Um, Brett Senny, uh, Senny from the New Jersey Devils is the other one. Yeah, um, no, no idea. And he's only played in two games this season. Um, uh, Tyler Ennis, who's about the same, who's listed at what? Uh, he's five, nine or so, five, seven. He's list. Even he's at 161 pounds. Liars. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't. The weight on Tyler Ennis, I think, is probably about correct. You ever see him in a suit? He, he's got pretty thick legs for a guy his size. I meant the height was lying, but okay. oh, the five seven, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not questioning the weight, questioning the height. I mean, even Johnny Goudreau, who everyone was terrified of uh, getting railroad, uh, getting uh, railroaded uh, for the first five years he was in the league, he's at 165 pounds these days. Ooh, I know. I mean, enormous. 165, and but he's and been fairly he's been fairly healthy, if I'm not mistaken. He has. I mean, um, so. and. In his health and uh, good tweeting, he managed to cause a Twitter storm earlier this week. Oh, great segue. Um, he was uh, – he changed the background on his Twitter profile, and there's an athletic article, dozens of tweets. And I'm sure that there are articles on half a dozen sites talking about uh, why he made this and how it's clearly a trade an indication that he's either asking for a trade, demanding a trade, going to be traded, told he was going to be traded, handed in his trade uh, in list of teams he's willing to be traded to, or maybe he just really liked playing on that uh, Team USA. I mean, it was, yeah, how can, unlike see, the Calgary Flames, kind of successful. No, no, see, how, how can you just assume he really liked playing? Clearly... He's being moved. We've got 28 hours. Clearly, Calgary has decided to move on from Johnny Gaudreau. He he doesn't like being there. They feel that they can. Okay, I can't do this with a straight face either. I'm trying. <laughs> Technically speaking, they are out of the playoffs at the moment. They are. This is true. The they are. I was they are fourth in the wild card space. 
yes, uh, the two teams holding wild card spots right now have played more games than they have. Um, so they've got uh, one to four, uh, one to three games uh, in hand. Um, although Nashville, who is currently in front of them, also um, has even has played even less games than they have. I do, however, believe that said. That- Go ahead. I can't see, even though he's not had a good year, I can't see him being moved. No. I Unless don't think he's they're... legitimately walked into the general manager's office and said, bleep you, bleep this whole city, bleep this whole uh, organization. Um, I can't stand anyone here, and I don't even want to see any of these players on the street again. There's just about no chance that he actually gets traded. No chance. I mean, Johnny Hawk, he only has 15 goals. Am I reading this right? Holy cow. Yeah, he's not having, neither him nor Monaghan is having a good season. I don't know if it's just a rut, if teams figured out how to defend against them. Um, If it's, more an issue of the defense not getting them pucks. Uh, but this is after two, after having uh, 30 plus goals and averaging over 30 goals uh, in the previous five seasons. Well, Kachuk has five more goals and Lindholm is still scoring at a, at a decent clip. Oh, that, I'm sorry. That's Monaghan. Um, I was looking at, but Goudreau is probably about the same. Yeah. I just, I don't see, I, I, I don't see them moving on from Johnny, no. Yeah, he had 36 goals last year, 24 the year before. Uh, just 18 and 17 and 16, 17, which is interesting. But he had 30 the year before that, 24, 36. Yeah, he's he's been producing solidly at just under a point per game since he came into the league. Um, this is arguably his worst statistical season as a pro. Yeah, you know what? I was wrong. Move him. Get him out of here. The kid's clearly fallen off the cliff. Get rid of him. <laughs> what position does he play again? Uh, left wing. Oh, damn. Because <laughs> nobody could use a goal-scoring left winger. No, that's it. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. And, and I think this whole Twitter thing is Johnny... Decide to change the picture. Folks, people do that. <laughs> In defense of the Storm Brigade, um, there's uh, Johnny Goodyear doesn't actually use his Twitter profile all that much. Uh-huh. Um, although I think he actually tweets more than you do. Um, Ouch. And... Uh, uh, so for him to log in to change it to some place, something he hasn't done in more than in almost a decade at this point, it might actually be significant. Maybe he doesn't get traded before uh, the deadline. Maybe he gets traded at the draft. Maybe he gets traded between the draft. I think that and, might, I, I think if, you, if, you're, I think if you're really being serious, that might make more sense. How many years does he have left on his deal, though? Uh, one or two, but, and there's no, okay. there's no, there's no, uh, no trade clause or anything like that attached to it, which is amazing, uh, in the current NHL. Well, obviously, uh, 
Mr. Chiapet had nothing to do with his contract then. <laughs> likely so, likely so. Um, but there were other, I mean, there were other deals. There was the Tipoli trade. I, I don't know how you regard it, whether it was the biggest splash. The Kings collectively are making the biggest splash in the trade market right now. And I'm honestly surprised they haven't moved more people. I mean, yes, they have a lot of well, they have a lot of they? they have a lot of players who have no movement or no trade clauses. That's what I'm thinking. Who else can they possibly move that isn't going to? They're going to keep anybody that's young. They're going to keep anybody that's uh, inexpensive. Inexp- that's the word I'm looking for. And reasonably productive, which unfortunately is a pretty short list. But they they're not going to move on. They, they, I. They're not moving Kopitar. His contract is what it is. They gave it to him. I don't even think they, they're not going to move Dustin Brown. He's been around. Have they moved Dustin Brown? Have they moved him? I don't think Can they would. They? Uh, Based on his salary and production, can they actually move him? He's no. got two more years at just under six. Yeah, he's 35 years old. I get it. Um, he's got it, it's all modified, no trade. And he's got all of 27 points in 58 games this year. Yeah, he'll have another 20 goal season, uh, most likely by the end of the year. Um, yeah. Which he's which to have three 20 plus goal seasons. After the three seasons that he had, uh, 2014-15 through 2016-17. Where he didn't even have 30 points. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I mean, if if this were baseball, they would have tested him. (laughs) Yeah. Because how do you go from this to, I mean, the year that he had in in 17-18, when he suddenly popped up with 61 points. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he tied his career. Uh, no, that was actually his second best uh, goal total in the NHL that year, uh, uh, half a decade after the previous mark. Um, it, was actually, it was actually his best points total of his career, I believe. I see. I don't think he's movable. And honestly, at eleven hundred and seventy-five games, I think, I think a lot of fans who might be okay with him moving on would be greatly annoyed that he was moved before his twelve hundredth uh, game in the in with the team. And you're if you're moving him, you're you're eating salary. You're eating at least two million of that salary. Yeah, so but that's my argument is they they made it they made the splash, but I I think they're done because who who else are they going to move seriously that's going to get them anything and it's going to bring back anything of serious value. I mean, uh, Kopitar has a no movement clause through July one, um, and after that he has the modified no uh, movement uh, modified no trade, uh, and could, even then it's only seven teams he's willing to be traded to. You could move um, on. You could move Trevor Lewis, but yeah, yeah nobody's Jeff nobody's is probably the biggest piece that they can still move. I don't think they're gonna. Uh, 
Yeah, that doesn't have he doesn't have any kind of movement issues. I don't I mean, see it happening though. I mean, no one's taking Jonathan Quick at this point. It's just <laughs> well, that's why they came. That's why Toronto came calling for Jack Campbell. But they've lost Jack Campbell. They've lost Alec Martinez to to Vegas, and Tyler Toffoli has moved on to uh, blue greener pastures in Vancouver. Actually, oh. someone who doesn't have a good center might be interested in Jeff Carter if they thought he wasn't going to spaz out uh, about being traded to the middle of nowhere again. Um, and yes, by comparison, Columbus is not much of a city. So you're I've saying Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter to Columbus? Jeff Carter back to Columbus would be utterly hilarious. He played all um, 39 games there. It's not like he was ingratiated himself into the fan base. Uh, maybe uh, he did. I don't know. But 38, 39 games just doesn't seem like a whole lot of time to get. Unless he was, uh, I don't know. It says he scored 15 goals in his 39 games. So maybe he did. Uh, but even going someplace like Nashville and putting a Band-Aid on that broken arm that is that team at this moment. Um, I'm not sure that helps anyone long term, except maybe keep the jam there another two or three, another year or two, uh, depending on what they give up. Uh, maybe Carolina, although I don't see him necessarily wanting to live in Raleigh because um, it's no bigger a city than than Columbus. I I'm I think I can say that Kings are probably done here at the deadline. I I w- that wouldn't necessarily surprise me, but I I would not be surprised by an active off season. Okay, active off season, yes. But right now, I think that. Rob Blake is ready to sit back and just let the rest of the season play out. I don't know that he's got a whole lot more he can do except for maybe bring up some kids from the minors and see what they can what they can do. I mean, the amount of draft picks they have just this year, 2020, 1-6, 8-9-10, they got 11 picks over the seven rounds. Three in the second alone. So and well, we haven't be, started they, looking at the draft this year. Yeah, they're going to be stocking up. <laughs> uh, if I were them, I would I would consider moving more players out for like second round picks between this year, next year, and 2022. But that's me um, because I think that they they're going to they have a lot of restocking to do because even the players that they can't move aren't going to be here much longer. I mean, Kopitar is 32 years old. He's the youngest of their old core of their core. Well, Doughty is the youngest of the core, but there's, I mean, look at the, looking at the rest of their defense after Drew Doughty, what, what do you really have of substance there? That's what they've got to figure out. I mean, Derek Forbort. I I like Derek, I like Derek Forbort. I do. Uh, I'm not yet sold on Ben Hutton. Um, no. Uh, and the rest are at best works in progress. Yes. Sean Walker's still on an entry level. Okay, I, I can live with that. 
I'm not passing uh, judgment on him yet. But everyone else is either Matt, Matt Roy has potential. bottom of the uh, roster. Matt Roy has potential. But, yeah, basically after Doughty and Forboard on that team, yeah. <laughs> Your third best defenseman is... Um, I don't know. Dion Pinoff. <laughs> Ouch! I said that out loud. Uh, very good. Uh, you might uh, you might inherit the a hole chair on uh, a lo- on any uh, on any markets um, radio station. Nice. Woo! Ah, uh, I mean, it, it, the one big deal, of course. Uh, I mean. Is it the real? Is it really the biggest deal? I mean, no. It, it, it might be the shrewdest. De- it might be the closest thing to a fleecing uh, that we've seen. Uh, some people in the use deadline. that word. Some people are using that word. Some people don't like that word. I, I don't know that it was. Uh, yeah, I guess it was a fleecing. But I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that way, you gotta say that the 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 big negative in that deal is that Andre Kasha can't stay healthy or has had issues in the past with injury. Yes. And if I'm, and and if I'm going to pick on, if I'm going to pick on Adam McQuaid, then I have to be fair and pick on Andre Kasha. That being said, a couple of differences though. That being said, I called it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yay! Broken I mean, there were there were reasons for this. I didn't want Kreider. You didn't want Kreider. Uh, and that's not to say that Don Sweeney's not going to turn around and try and get him. Why he would, I don't know. But Andre Kasha brings another year, just like he did with Charlie Coyle last season. Uh, he brings with him restricted free agency, so we've got uh, exclusive rights to deal. Uh, he is capable of putting puck in the net, my brother said to me last night. Well, he's only scored seven goals. I said, the team he plays for is horrible. Put him on a line. Really kind. Put him on a line that has the ability to move the puck and and possess the puck and actually score goals. He's going to improve. But the one downfall that you keep coming back to is that he's had in, he has an injury history. And here's my take on the injury history. Part of the reason he has gotten injured so much is he's been probably the most productive player forward on the ice for that team for the last couple of years when he's been healthy. And when you're the most productive player, you're going to get knocked around a lot. Coming here, at best, he's the fifth fifth or the sixth most offensively productive forward. He's not pasta. He's not Bergeron. He's not Marchand. He's probably about the same level as Jake DeBrusque, and uh, he's going to score probably more goals than David Krejci, but not nearly as many assists. So yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to sit comfortably in the top six, whether he plays on Bergeron's line or Krejci's line doesn't really matter. Um, uh, overall, I think that. Uh, I, there are virtues to either one, um, and assuming that uh, putting him with Bergeron and Marchand 
means that Marchand is absolutely going to be the target um, simply because other players hate him and because he's a really good goal scorer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, putting him with Krejci and uh, DeBrusque means that you're getting a more physical forward on the other side who can keep their heads up. Not that, uh, not that DeBrusque is huge or delivers the most punishing hits in league history, but he's still absolutely willing to throw the body, uh, you know, 20 Who? times a game. DeBrusque. Oh, okay. I was going to say, hey. and yeah, DeBrusque is and still that's a high level passer. And that's the, but that's the other thing you don't get with Kasha. You're not going to get somebody who's going to go, uh, he, he's not going to go seeking out somebody to hit. He's not the physical for, he, he's not the physical player that Kreider is. And I will, and, and I can say that, you know, Truthfully, Kreider not, is, is more yeah. physical. My issue there, but that's not Kasha's game. That's not what he never has been. That's not what he does. That and and to to expect it from him because he's coming to the Bruin. Yeah, it, he's he's not a typical Bruin in that he's not going to go out there and start mashing bodies. But that's not what if left it, on the Bruins. But if that's what he's doing, then he's not playing his he's not playing his game. And that's a mistake. He's coming here. He's he's got the ability to put the puck in the net. And I did see. I guess there's a little side bonus to this, and and I didn't pick up on it at first either. But apparently he's um, he does have one ability that none of the Bruins seem to have, and that's score on the shootout. What? Is that even I know. allowed? I, I I know four out of five. Apparently he's eighty percent in shootouts. Uh, you know that may keep him from being extended here. Uh, it <laughs> might just be this year, next year, and gone. Hey, he he might even get traded back out at at the draft. I mean, that sort of stuff is clearly unacceptable here. Yes, we can't have that at all. Never, no. I mean, he's twenty four years old. Did we overpay for a seventh round draft pick? That's what Kasha was in 2014. He was drafted in the seventh round. Did we overpay giving up a first? No. The no, first, you were oh, first, the, the first round pick is not payment for Kasha. No, it's payment for taking is payment backs. For backs. Thank you. The rest of the trade is essentially Axel uh, Axel Anderson for Andre Kasha. So we played. A, what, second or third round pick for a seventh Axel, round pick? Axel Anderson was a second round pick. He was the first pick we had that year. We didn't have a first rounder. I can't I can't remember whether it was 14, 15, or, or whatever. But In a year where I said they should have probably traded all of their draft picks. Yeah, it was not, if I remember correct, if memory serves, it was not a, a stellar year for the draft. Uh, so we gave up a defensive prospect. I'm doing who, who realistically in the Boston Bruins system was he wasn't at best the 10th or 11th defenseman at best. Yeah, he wasn't exactly um, uh, making his way up to the big club anytime he soon. He wasn't going to be stealing time from Charlie McAvoy by the end of the season. Well, OK, I guess I could see that. And if Anderson could score, well, you know. But Charlie's taking care of that. He's got a few goals now, so we'll have to let him go. We'll have to back off, I think. Yeah, Anderson was uh, the 2018 draft. Um, 
where yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember what year we can look at, we can look at the draft later how but, memorable that was but I mean Chris Kreider four years older uh, end of the season he's a free agent uh, I don't know that he's going to turn around and yes he's from Massachusetts uh, you know so is Charlie so is, so is Chris Wagner it, so do we do we have the money to do we do the Bruins have the money to turn around and give him a long term deal? And uh, okay. he's gonna and he's gonna be looking Technically, for big they, cash. They do. But here's the thing. I I tweeted this. Uh for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, um you missed it yesterday or the day before, whenever the trade went down. Um at this point, uh Cache is the single luckiest NHL player to be traded to the Boston Bruins. In at least a decade, at least a decade, because the reaction to this trade and getting Bacchus's contract off the boards uh, was great. Now we can re-sign Krug and uh, and better believe we can re-sign and Grizzlick and, you know, three other players, uh, DeBrusque among them um, and not. Yay, we got Andre. Uh, we got Andre Cache. Uh, he's going to solve all of our problems. He's coming in with. Relatively low pressure, you which think? which might be underselling his actual ability, because I think when you put him with what are still, by any measure, by anyone sane, two top 25 centers in the league, at and we can argue where you would place them all day long, but top 25, two 20, top 25 centers in the league, add him to that second um second power play he's going to have if he's healthy he's going to have great his uh, best point production in the in his NHL history all he has to do is not screw up he doesn't have to actually be a better player than he was in Anaheim he just has to pay attention to the better players that he's playing with yeah uh but as far it, it, the the benefits it, the benefits just keep stacking up. So, so you manage to eliminate a lot of money. You manage to hand off a prospect that probably wasn't going to play here. It, you gave up the first round pick to Anaheim for being so nice as to take on David's contract um, minus twenty five percent. But even with Kasha's money and the twenty five percent they retained, he's still cheaper. Than holding Bacchus's contract. Yes. And and, and yes, it does give you a little flexibility to, to and if and if resigning Krug is not the is not the first thing you do with that money, then. Uh, okay, I uh, I hate to repeat myself from Twitter, uh, but <laughs> if Krug isn't the most important priority, and you don't get him resigned before July first, preferably before the draft. Sweeney and Neely should be out on their backsides. Ideally, he will be Tory Krug will be signed that first week of April between the last game of the regular season and the first games of the playoffs. That's the perfect time to sign him. Less on your mind. Everyone's taking a break and there's not much else to do aside from look at contracts, get healthy and scout uh, your first round opponent. Grizzly going to go to arbitration? Yeah, completely side question, just throwing it out there. I hope 
it doesn't come to that, it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Yeah, um, I feel the same way. I feel completely. I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing out there. We don't have to dive into it. I just. And that's a really good topic for March, the end of March. Yeah, because um, there are other co- there, about playoffs. Yeah, because there are a couple others that kind of fall on that list too. I think. Uh, but yeah, I like the deal. I'm happy. I don't know if Sweeney's done. Uh, he might bring in another depth player somewhere along the way. I don't know. Well, but, Stepniak is unsigned, so uh, uh, that's due to happen sometime in the next 25 <laughs> That's got to get announced in the next week, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, Justin Williams came out of his, uh, like, third retirement. Uh, Lee Stepniak can come out of his ninth. Lee Stepniak. There's a – I don't know how many times he can make a return to the same team. I guess we can see if there's a record for that and try and break it. Oh. Before we move on, David yeah, Backus, uh, I just want to wish him the best because he was long, uh, he has long been a favorite NHL player. Um, he gave everything. He was a key player in even in his intermittent play, uh, even in the playoffs last year. I think that they don't make the playoff, uh, make the finals without him both from the leadership aspect, the physicality aspect. Um, I hope that he gets to play uh, a lot of games left in, uh, in Anaheim. Got, if I'm not mistaken, he has 56 games left to get to 1,000. Yeah. I think he's around 944. So it, if he, he, sh- he should be able to get those 56 in between this year and next. I, w- I would love to see him get there, succeed. Uh, this is a man who's... Uh, given 110% since he first stepped on the ice for St. Louis. Uh, you can't argue that. Go back and watch old videos. Uh, pull up numbers. Uh, it's what he does. It's what he's always done. And for a man, he, he's been a physical player. This isn't a guy who just skates up and down the ice and avoids contact. Uh, you can't argue. Uh, last year's playoffs aren't what, aren't what they were. Without his, uh, without his being on on the squad, because they I make mean, it out. Of, it, it, this is a guy that yeah, we owe a lot of thanks to and uh, for his service and his time here because he he's done more than I think people. Can yeah, he's see another or, member of that 2003 draft class, and uh, he was drafted in the second round that year. I. I find it. I would find it surprising. And he was drafted late. He was drafted 62. Is there anybody? Is, is there anybody that that draft is just uh, that draft is ridiculous. the draft. The draft was legendary. <laughs> he would actually still even allowing for his last two years of the in the NHL or to date. David Backus would actually be drafted higher now than he was. Yes. Then. I would I would be inclined to when agree. When you stack him up against that 2003 draft, arguably the deepest, best draft in NHL history, he's better than the 62nd player, uh, 62nd best player in that draft class. And I like. There's probably 75, 80 guys who should be taken in the first two rounds from that draft, uh, based on their NHL performance, and in some cases 
performance in the Swedish Hockey League and KHL uh, as well. He's yeah. better than he's better than number sixty-two. And we talked about another two thousand three draft guy earlier in the show, Dustin Brown. Again, was, and Jeff Carter. And Jeff Carter. I mean, come on. Can we actually say we've had a show where we haven't talked about somebody from that draft? I don't uh, think so. I don't believe so. And we're on I episode really 158. So. And we're on um, even, the, even the episodes where we've attempted to stay purely on, uh, like, the NHL draft, we still end up comparing them to someone from this draft. I think if we, I think if we actually made a rule that okay, in one particular episode we are not going to talk about anybody from the 2003 draft. We're not going to talk about the draft itself. I think it'd be a very boring show, <laughs> and it'd probably be a lot of dead air. <laughs> okay, how many uh, how many players from that 2003 draft do you think have played more games than David Backus? Uh, it's probably going to be a lot. Uh, I don't know, like 15. Number 17. Ah, close. And, and he's, he's got the least games, I believe of, uh, no, there's a, there's a couple of goalies. Um, there's only a couple of guys behind him who are still active from that draft. Um, and he's, one point or he's four point or I'm sorry, 15 points behind Shea Weber and somewhere in the top 20 for points from that draft class. There's David Backus deserves every ounce of respect that he has earned and more. He unfortunately is probably not going to win a Stanley cup at, at this point, unless he, has a revolution in health over the next year or two. Um, but there is ab- anyone who doubts the contributions of this man to the game. Um, I would point at uh, the draft two years ago and all of the guys who are drafted, who grew up playing hockey in the St. Louis area. Uh, that doesn't happen without David Backus and a couple of the guys who were lucky enough to win the cup uh, there. Um, and good enough to win the cup there, uh, setting the standard for how hockey is to be played. I can I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, no one could. Yeah, there you go. And, and so modest. You realize there are 23 players from that draft still playing, still active in the NHL. You, you, I mean, headcount wise, it was that draft was 17 years ago. Headcount wise, you still have an NHL roster uh, from that draft. And I'll make the argument that if you put together this team, you might still have a playoff team. Oh, by the way, there's another player in this draft that we just mentioned, and the Bruins might re sign him. (gasps) Lee Stepniak. (laughs) Yeah. And then you'd have 24 active players, but yeah. And then, and, but, but how many of these aren't, I mean, is Bufflin coming back or is he retired? Cause Bufflin was in that draft. He is rumored that he was coming back. It's rumored that he was coming back. So even if, even if you look at the players who last year was their most recent season, 
there's still a handful of players there that, I mean, Eric Fair, last season, he hasn't played at all this season, but he actually made a, a solid contribution the last couple of years with whatever team he was with. Uh, Dion Phaneuf had a number of good years. He played over a thousand NHL games. That doesn't yeah. happen by accident. No. Um, Even Vanek. I mean, yeah. Even Vanek, and, you know, and, and he's thought of pretty much just an offensive player that nobody is going to sit there and think of him as as, as a Selkie finalist at any point in his career, but he's still over, he still managed to get up over a thousand games, 789 points. I mean, this draft was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Toby Enstrom would be the best defenseman in quite a number of recent, uh, drafts, uh, that we've seen. He's not even, he wouldn't even be in the top 10 in this draft. Uh, I mean, just going back and looking at some of the guys from this draft, mm-hmm. we had Matt Carl, 730 NHL games, um, a really solid defensive defenseman. Mike Richards, who might well still be playing in the NHL had he had uh, less off-ice issues. Um, Maxim Lapierre, another guy who had a little bit of injury history, but he was, again, a solid two-way player. Uh, Jan Heda, um, he, a fourth round pick who still managed to play 627 NHL games. We'll skip the guy just under him in head in uh, games played because he's one of your favorites. Uh, Dan okay. Carcillo. Yeah, no. Uh, but I mean, mm. even after. Mm. No. <laughs> Anyways, we have a lot of other stuff, or we have a couple of other things to talk about. Um, oh, yeah. There's actually a couple of things. Yeah. I, and we can speak our minds on that later. Um, other people who have been speaking their minds include uh, Evander Kane and Claude Julian. Which of the two do we want to talk about first? Oh, Evander Kane's, Evander Kane's story actually cropped up last week when he was suspended um, rightfully. rightfully, he was rightfully suspended. His hit was dangerous. I, I don't know that he's going to dispute it. I, I don't know that he's. If you and it doesn't and, look like he's disputing it in his statement either. I was going to say the statement. The statement is 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 a short one, but it, he's not disputing his suspension. He's disputing the fact that. The NH, the Department of Player Safety, which is headed by George Paris, continues to pick and choose who and what they suspend is ridiculous. There have been countless incidents of the same nature through this season and past seasons that have gone unsuspended or fined. No one person can tell you what is or isn't a suspension in today's game. It's become a complete guess. Major lack, there is a major lack of consistency. Oh, hey, that sounds familiar. Major lack of consistency with NHL Department of Player Safety, a completely flawed system in so many ways, from suspensions to appeal rights. It's baffling to me how we as players agreed to this. You can't continue to give some players a pass and throw the book at others. There has to be an outside third party making these decisions to remove the bias that transpires in this department headed by George Paros. None of it makes any sense. And that's the full statement. That's a pretty deep statement. Because he's talking about 
the inconsistency which every single one of us sees when we watch games. If you if you can't see the inconsistency in calls at ice level and coming out of the Department of Player Safety, I don't know what game you're watching. I really don't. It might be Major League Rugby. It's not the NHL. Um, is there human error? Absolutely. But when it comes to the Department of Player Safety, who has every single view that we see on TV and multiple other views, there it should be pretty cut and dried. This is a this is a suspension. This is a fine. Uh, this is a multi-game suspension, and you're you might as well consider it a nice three-week vacation. Um, and there's not. I I I agree with. I agree with Evander Kane's suspension. I love Evander Kane as a player. He oh, yeah. is fast, he's physical, he's skilled, <laughs> and he goes out there and plays his backside off every night, which is not easy to do on a team as bad as the San Jose Sharks have been this year, as bad as the Atlanta as Atlanta was when he first got to the league, as bad as the Winnipeg Jets were in his years up there, and as bad as <laughs> Buffalo was in his time there. Um, but he... He goes out and does hockey right most of the time. And, but and he, he pointed he, out – he tweeted the same day. Uh, he retweeted a couple of hits that should have been suspendable. They should have been a suspension. They looked just about identical except for the jersey of the guy doing the hit um, to what he was suspended for. And and the Department of, the Department of Player Safety is all over the place with their – with their, their rulings and, and and I agree and and a lot of people uh, a lot of comments that that this generated had to do with um, and pinpointing Boston and oh Chara gets away with this Chara it, it's not just Boston other players get away with it and my thing here is that Evander Kane never once in that comment in his comments and never once said I was wrong I shouldn't have been suspended. This is not about him and what he did or did. He's not arguing against the suspension. He's saying that I did this. I get suspended three games. Somebody else does the same thing and they get a fine or somebody cross checks somebody in the throat. They get a fine or somebody else does this. He's absolutely right. They seem to have this. And I'm and I'm not arguing dartboard. Climbing uh, like like the repeat offender rule, although I think some of it is ridiculous. Um, I'm not arguing completely against that. The first time you screw up on the ice, yes, you should. It should be brought to your attention with a with a with a penalty. The 18th time that you screw up and cross check someone in the face or something like that, yes, it should have a much harsher penalty. Um, but. The Department what of Player Safety. What they is seriously have and a, what isn't actionable? They have a dartboard, and Judge Paros picks up the darts. Uh, they, the NHL has a wheel of justice. Uh, they just on the blindfold. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I absolutely mean, agree with Evander Kane. He's not arguing that he shouldn't be suspended. He's arguing that it's ridiculous that there is no uh, my favorite word consistency with regards to meeting out justice from the Department of Player Safety. 
and it, it seems to be a common thread throughout the NHL because there is no consistency in the officiating either. So they need to work on, oh, consistency might be a good place to start. They need to have some kind of, and I think he's right. I think there should be, if they're going to be handing out, I know that they like to take care of things in-house. It's the NHL way of doing things. Same thing in games. That's why players have fights. The whole cowboy justice thing, they're going to handle it by themselves, and then it's forgotten. That doesn't seem to be working when it comes to the, I think when it, if a situation is going to get to the point where somebody needs to be suspended, there should be some sort of independent arbiter. I think that they, I think that one of the things they need to do is literally graph out. uh, We have amazing modeling technology these days. Uh, Use that technology to graph out body position, right hand, left hand, stick, elbow, um, knee, shoulder, uh, chin position, head direction um, of take the last seven, eight years of hockey play, analyze every single big hit that left someone either on their butt or flying into the boards um, and use these as the basis for running elbows and cross checks and, you know, uh, whatever else charging in uh, through the system so that mm. you can take that output, measure new things when they come in so that Evander Kane's hit, which was suspendable, actionable, the hit that he was retweeting uh, that same day, which were in the opinion of any objective party, actionable and suspendable. Um, Yes. I love hockey. I really love hockey, but you're a multi-billion dollar organization and you're allowing the conversation to get dragged away from how well the players do their job, how well the teams perform to what bleep, 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 bleep (laughs) the department of player safety is up to this time Uh because one more time, Evander Kane, 100% 100% right. Better still, he's holding – I told you the statement was deep. He's talking about the players' part in this level of non-accountability. He did not make a single personal attack on George Peros or anyone else. Did he name the man? Absolutely. Yeah. But if you think that being called inconsistent, when you clearly are, is a personal attack, you're – an emotional basket case. But wait, he called out everybody because he, he yes. says right in the statement, I don't understand how we as players agreed to this. Yes, he's he's talking. He's he called out everybody. This is a mature, reasoned and impassioned statement from Evander Kane. Yes. I, people uh, detractors have called it an emotional outburst. And I think that they're. I think that they're talking more about them. Uh, I think that they're revealing more about themselves than they are about Evander Kane. And that's where I'm leaving that topic. Claude Julian. Now, this one I actually missed when it happened. I did too, but <laughs> um, 
Claude Julian is a pretty plain spoken guy. He's not Brian Burke. He's not um he's not John Tortorella. Yeah. This but is he true. doesn't necessarily hold back on letting you know what he thinks, even though he usually finds a blunt but reasonably diplomatic way of saying uh saying things. Okay, so far you're okay. But here's the thing. He just plain pimp slapped the NHL (laughs) and the NHL officiating for inconsistency. Um, Oh, I love that. (laughs) Claude, I feel for you, my man. Give me a call. Here's where where he starts to the NHL reporters, and this is coming out of – uh, let's see. Field, it's just field level media as reported by CBC uh, Canada Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people need to be held accountable after this game. We had to beat two teams tonight. I've said this in the past. Claude, I'm with you. Give me a call. We're going to start something. Later, <laughs> we're up 3-0, uh, 3-0. We're playing well. Uh, we have a bad mistake on giving them the puck on that first goal. But given those situations after that, we could have had power plays. It was such a poorly managed game. Let's put it that way. Even what he said isn't that bad. It's a strong statement for Claude Julian. It's a very strong statement for Claude Julian. My question is, they have in brackets, not parentheses brackets, so I don't know if they use them. By the referee, poorly managed game by the referees. I didn't hear the interview. I haven't seen video of it yet. Are they trying to say that he didn't actually say it was poorly managed game by the referees? Yes. He didn't actually actually... say it. It was implied and that uh, the way that brackets are supposed to be used in writing like this is that that's a follow-up statement or follow-up clarification that someone someone asked about after the the statement is initially made. So at some point – Julian actually did call out the referees is what you're trying to tell me. Um, because the way I take that statement, all he said in the all he said in the postgame presser was it was such a poorly managed game. Yes, that's what he Let's said. Let's put it that way. Now, okay. so here's the, the, here's the here's the caveat. The 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 bracketed statement could be an editorial insertion. Or it could be a, clarif- a later clarification by the person. I don't know because I have not actually seen footage myself. I suspect right. it's the editorial insertion. So the person who wrote this made the in- is making the inference on their own, and there's nothing for the benefit from Ju- of the readers. Yes, but there's nothing from Julian indicating that he was actually directing this at the officials. Um, except for the fact that he said it's it's by him it, it's by it's implicit. We could have had pow, we could have had power plays. So yes, the only way to get a power play is for the officials to get involved. So going we're just back to assuming going back to the first part of the statement, we had to beat two teams tonight. Is <laughs> that's that may be one of the five or ten strongest statements I recall Claude Julian making. Um, about officiating in, uh, yes, in, in the last 20 years. 
now I feel now I feel a real deep need to defend him because I understand where he's coming from. I feel this way about hockey games that I've watched, and I'm not talking about Bruins or Red Wings games. I like to watch because I, I I don't fall asleep early. I can't because I'll wake up way too early. So I tend to at times watch the ten o'clock game, and it's it's a West Coast game clearly. But we're talking about two teams that I don't have a a a stake in which one wins or loses. I'm just watching it for the hockey. And I've seen some awful, awful calls in games that don't really have any effect on me. And, and the and, best part of that is the NHL officials are supposed to be the best in the world. And, uh, to me, it appears that the, they are the best in the world in much the same way that the, that, Shane McMahon is the best in the world in professional wrestling. He's the best. He's the best in the world in selling a product to people because. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> um, he was fined ten thousand dollars for that statement, and ten thousand. Immediately, immediately, fans started donating money to cover the cost of the fines, which isn't Didn't actually allow. allowed. Yeah, they're not allowed to do that. But, but it, it, they, were doing the sa- they did the same the thing for Tortorella, by the way. And I, I think that that's a <clears throat> teachable moment for the NHL. When you have a fine so egregious that fans are defending a coach, particularly a coach who has been pretty embattled in Montreal for almost the whole season or the whole year, you might have screwed up by the numbers, just maybe. But this is the second. This is the second time that I'm I'm hearing about this. Fans are starting up Kickstarters and GoFundMe's, and they did the same thing for Tortorella when he got hosed back in the day uh, when Corpusalo got hurt in the overtime, yes. and so he yes. lost Corpusalo. He lost the game. He lost the thing. All on what was obviously and clearly a call that should have been made by the officials and and the screwing up of the time clock and everything else this is it's a statement it's a statement being made by the fans that that something is wrong that they feel they have to help raise the money because the nhl is fining julian or fining tortorella for something that clearly they shouldn't be getting fined for the, the, no, the, the screw is, up is not on the coach's side here. It's not. I, yeah, the exactly. NHL, the NHL has unfortunately clearly and demonstrably fallen victim to, uh, an echo chamber mentality where the only thing worth hearing is what you're saying louder and more enthusiastically. Enthusiasm is one of those things that makes hockey wonderful, though, um, it, when it's used uh, in the right places and allowed to take the lead. And uh, Seattle is one of those places. Um, we're we're due to learn the name of Seattle's NHL team anytime now. Um, and there is a strong push uh, in the area for women's pro hockey in the Seattle area. Um, somebody vaguely, re- somebody vaguely resembling myself said that women's hockey, the NHL needs to, uh, 
take a hand in creating a women's hockey league because there might be some interest. Hmm. Uh, who was that? <laughs> uh, me. I, I, I don't think I heard your brother say it. I mean, you said vaguely mm-hmm. resembling you. Yes, vaguely resembling me. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you if you head to womensprohockeyseattle.com um, or follow them on Twitter, uh, you'll find out that they're making a smartly constructed and uh, pretty broadly uh, pretty broadly spread push for women's hockey uh, in the area. <clears throat> um, they have, uh, let's see, they visited a couple of the different sports bars. Their Twitter presence is pretty strong. Um, they just gave a, they gave one of their jerseys to uh, Cami Granado, who, as you all know, is arguably the greatest player in women's hockey history. Um, yeah, at, at least in, at least in U.S. women's hockey history. And, and any that's, other hockey that's, history count? Well, Canada might argue with us a little bit, yeah. It's Canada. They'll do it politely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we got the hashtag WoProHo Seattle, Women's yep. Pro Hockey Seattle. Full of information, full of information about getting involved, how to get involved, becoming an ambassador. I mean, it, I would love to see a, a like women's hockey league. The, a viable women's hockey league. Yes. Uh, now, if you look at their website, they're actually a really strong site for news about women's hockey from young girls all the way up. They have women's college hockey news in one place, women's Olympic hockey, hockey news, the NWHL. Um, I uh, and then the uh, Professional Women's Hockey Players Association news. If you don't if you didn't know who these uh, people were five minutes ago. That's fine. It, it takes time to track down even really great sources of information. Not knowing who they are five minutes after this show is over, not following them. If you have any interest in women's hockey at all, whether for your daughters or nieces or sisters, um, or just to watch as a fan, uh, that's all on you. Um, hopefully this year, uh, we'll get a chance to uh, have them on the show as guests and talk to, uh, talk women's hockey for half an hour or so. Um, you can hit either one of us up on Twitter, and uh, we'll be happy to uh, set it up soon. I'm just I'm looking at their list of of, of what they call champions. It's the it's organizations that had verbal support. Uh, you got start of the list, Todd Lewicki. Uh, yeah, he would be the CEO and team president of the new uh, NHL Seattle franchise. Uh, you scroll down the list, you've got the Washington Wild, which is Western Washington Female Hockey Association. You got Amateur Hockey Association, the Watcom Warriors. You scroll down, you got the University of Washington Huskies. Uh, Seattle Metropolitans, uh, Snow King Amateur Hockey Association. It, this is this is something that should be done, and the NHL needs to find a way to to help it. Like I said last week or the week before, whenever it was, the NBA is majority, if not sole owner. 
of the women's NBA, and they support it. They put money into it, and it is growing. It may not be the fastest growing in the world, but it is growing. It does generate some interest. The problem is when they play their games time of day and, and whatnot. Uh, so it's not always readily available for, for fans to watch. They they haven't moved into that prime time slot yet for their games. No, they um, haven't. Um, but part the of that, NHL I mean, needs to help foster and nurture this. And I think with the NHL's backing, I'm not saying that they have to do it all themselves, but I think with the NHL's backing, you can have a national a women's national hockey league. And I think that there's enough players out there to support it. If you go watch, we just had the bean pot. We talked about the guys' bean pot. The women's bean pot was just as exciting. The finals again went to double overtime. BU against Northeastern. Northeastern comes out on top in double overtime, four to three, just like the men. It, it, it's just that it. We got to somehow, as a as a hockey community, get draw more attention to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% in favor. Uh, I, the odds of me arguing against more hockey, pretty low. I mean, really, 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 really low. <laughs> <clears throat> Probably not lower than uh, the odds that we'll see an even older player make their first uh, NHL, um, get their first NHL win. Um, as a goaltender than uh, David Aries, uh, who stepped in as the third man for the cre- in the crease for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, started off a little tiny bit slow, two goals on three shots, uh, but they did pull out the win. Um, he's, a- as a third goaltender, he's the uh, Zamboni driver in an, a- in an AHL rink. Um, and with Mrazek and uh, I forgot who the other uh, Reimer, Reimer going down in the yeah. game, he stepped in and he stepped in and helped win. Uh, Forty-two years old, uh, 194 days. In <clears throat> previous did mark, you, uh, did ahead. you say what his did you say what his previous job was or what his current job is or yeah, Zamboni <laughs> driver. He's the Zamboni driver. Yes, In an sir. AHL arena. He's the Zamboni driver. <laughs> I mean, this is this is all this is like genuinely awesome. This is a legit hockey dream. <clears throat> I I can't imagine that he genuinely expected to ever get called into game action. <clears throat> he might have wanted it, <clears throat> but expecting it to actually happen. It, it's it's kind of awesome, and the fact that he pulled out a win, uh, especially given that the Hurricanes a lost their number two, one and two goalies in the span of a, and uh, less than an hour of game time, and b, hey, he's got a save percentage of eighty. <laughs> that's not too far behind a couple of regular NHLers right now. <laughs> Stop eight of ten. Nameless. And the thing is. It's not like they mixed the goals in. It was the first two shots got by him. Probably, probably a little bit of nerves going on there. But then he settles down and stops the next eight shots in a row. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and they haven't even been 
they were six three and one in their they were six three and one in their last ten as of this morning. So, and that was their first win. So they had lost a couple of ga- they had lost some games. He put them back on the winning track. It's not like they were, you know, a juggernaut rolling through the season with 12, uh, 12 wins in their last fifteen games. They were a slightly above average team who <clears throat> was coming off a loss. Lot had the terrifying experience of their number one and their number two goaltender going down and the Zamboni driver for uh, an AHL affiliate steps in and saves their bacon. That's <laughs> okay. Have to know. Will Stories they don't get st- any cooler than that. Will they start selling his Jersey in the pro shop? <laughs> <laughs> They might. <laughs> they they just might do it. Um, just as a feel good story, you know, make up a make up a couple hundred or something, or make up a hundred of them or whatever. You know, see what happens. Throw them in the pro shop and see if people actually get them. <laughs> uh, I, I okay, love start with a like couple this. dozen for it. This is fabulous. I I mean, I mean. Hockey dreams can come true. It can happen to you when you're young at heart, and he's 42 years young. Hey, I I I, I love it. This is fabulous. I mean, it was great when uh, the accountant did it in Chicago, and he was six years younger. <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, it, it it doesn't happen very often, but. When it does, you got some guy coming out of the stands who's just been sitting there watching the game, and next thing you know, throwing on a jersey. I, I clearly he plays goaltender because that's his mask. It's got his name on the front of it. Looking at the photo from um, tweeted out by NHL Public Relations, so he plays the position somewhere, whether it's a, a guys league or some sort of. Yeah, like going to Hockey Town down in Saugus here in Massachusetts. Yeah, clearly he plays the position, but it, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, to slightly less awesome news. Aww. Zach Bogosian was, uh, well, his contract was terminated uh, between him and the uh, Buffalo Sabres um, recently. Uh, he's, well, the thing is they sent him, they, 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 they sent him down to Rochester. They put, they put him on waivers. He cleared waivers. He refused to go to the AHL affiliate and he, he's defense. He hasn't played in the AHL since 2008, nine. And he only he played refu- five games. He refused to go. So Buffalo said, if you're not going to go, we we'll just give I guess the next step was outright release or something like that. Yep. So anybody's free to sign him now. Uh, and this was the number three pick in the 2008 draft. Not a great draft overall, but um, he's only 29 years old. I have to think that at some point uh, this offseason, um, maybe even before the draft, uh, maybe even before the um, trade deadline, that he might actually get uh, get a like league minimum offer, um, assuming he just doesn't go to Europe. I mean, at 29 years old, he's made a reasonable amount of money. Um, 
I, I think the biggest thing here is the fact that he's had two hip surgeries in the last three years. Which which doesn't help anyone. Um, no. Maybe he takes a year off and comes back, gets himself into better health than he had been. Um, because I don't think he necessarily looked great in the last couple of games that I saw him. Um, only five points in his last uh, 19 NHL games this year. Um, and not That being said, he's still... That being said, he still played in 636 games. It's not like oh, yeah. it, it's not like this is a you know. It's not like he washed a, out in his second season. He's not a journeyman, you know, riding the bus from the minor league to the to the NHL every you know every other week or something. I mean, he's been around. He's 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 done some good in the league. I just I'm wondering if those two hip surgeries in three years and. Is there something to that that's affecting his play? Does he need to take, as you said, a year off? Make sure that, that make sure that it's right. Make sure that he's back in into some kind of game shape, or, or, or some sort of condition. You know, make sure that his conditioning is right so that it's not affecting him. I, because, I don't think he's. I mean, in, just looking at his penalty minutes, he's not. He clearly not been as physical the last two or three seasons as he had been in the past. I mean, 10 penalty minutes in 20 games is not much. Uh, you go back to 13, 14 and he had 48 penalty minutes in 55 games. Uh, he hasn't been hugely healthy in his career. So maybe this is the end for him. Um, but he, I mean, he put up with a lot, a lot of injuries. It would not necessarily surprise me to see him take a year off and either, go play in the Swedish league um, and just get back to full speed. Or maybe he ends up behind a bench as a coach in a year or two. Yeah. It's a, I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. That's a possibility. He may want to step away and then just take a look and see what's going on. Uh, Cause there's a lot of former defensemen who end up as NHL coaches. Yeah, um, Phil Housley for one. <laughs> one of his former teammates, uh, Brian Little, is out for the remainder season, uh, remainder of the year, um, after being injured. Uh, a perforated eardrum. I this is legitimately one of the strangest injuries I've seen to end an, an NHL player's season. Um, I, don't, I don't know how it happened. Puck off the side of the head. That's um, what it was. Okay, yes. Um, it's one of those things. Obviously, there's the the potential for hearing issues. Um, there's the potential for infections because with the eardrum perforated, it's perfectly possible to get stuff in there that really should not be entering your body that deep. Um, but there's have also the balance seen, issue. Have you seen the injured reserve list for the Winnipeg Jets? It's recently. almost longer than the active roster. There are six players on it. And like $30 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, Brian Little, the last two years, played all 82 games. But prior to that, 59, 57, 70. I thought that, I, I at one point thought that, okay, you know, he's got a, he's an injury prone, injury bug, whatever. But. So he started just weird. Yeah. Uh, it's it, not it, like stuff that you can prevent with good, with like good fitness and 
you know, staying hydrated and stuff like that. Some of it's just weird. Yes. And this one is one of them. Uh, and he, the thing is, he's a decent pace off man. He's not, he, he doesn't overwhelm you with stats. He's a 40 to 50 point player. He had one season where he hit 64, but he, he's typically in the 40s to 50 range. Uh, but he's a good two way player. He's mm-hmm. good in the face off dot. Uh, like I and said, the other not scary thing for that team. He, he's just a, he's just a solid player. Yeah. The other scary thing for that team is they only have 10 players signed for next year. That roster is going to look entirely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have one defenseman uh, signed to be on next year, uh, and that's uh, Josh Morrissey in, in Winnipeg. You have four forwards signed beyond next year. Um, arguably four of your most important forwards, but... Um, yeah, really. Uh, uh, three of your most important forwards. <laughs> well, you got... You got 20, Wheeler, 20, 20, Connor... 20, you got five guys. You got six guys. You got Andrew Kopp, Ehlers, Shifley, Line, Kyle Connor, and Blake Wheeler all signed through next season. The rest of them are all free agents. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, even the people who are hockey fans at the same level that we are, are probably going to need to buy the program, uh, for games, uh, next year. Injury reserve, 14, uh, 14 million, 14 not million counting Buffalo's 7 million because he's yes. technically suspended without pay. Yeah. Yeah. So 14 million. 14 million on the injured reserve list, and they actually spend the same. They they actually spend one dollar more on their defense. Literally one. Yeah. You look at the six players. It's fourteen six thirty three three thirty two. Their defense cost them fourteen six thirty three three thirty three. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to me that they've been in and around the playoff hunt uh, all year uh, or most of the year. With, might have something to do with the guys in net. Uh, yeah, but generally when you don't have much in the way of a defense, even great goaltending um, doesn't necessarily keep you in the hunt. <clears throat> but right now they're in that second uh, second playoff, uh, second wild card spot. Um. I would not have been surprised if they had a big sell-off, um, given all of the players that they probably can't resign. They're just kind of sitting. They're 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 sitting in one of those. No not man's so land. much. Yeah, they're not making moves, but they're not looking for moves. And they, they have had a us. couple of trades. They picked up Cody Eakin in what I think is the most mysterious trade of the. I don't understand that one at all, but. Uh, <laughs> um, I I don't know. Maybe Vegas is just clearing cap space uh, to make a later move. Maybe they're going after Kreider. I, I don't know. Um, but I think that's hands down the most mysterious move of the of the uh, of the month. So to recap. Um Chris Kreider still not moved. Nope. Um, when, um, Winnipeg, San Jose, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Minnesota have not been blown up. 
Um, Detroit Red Wings have not been blown up. Yeah. Uh, Montreal, both uh, Bergevin and Julian are still employed. Not surprised with Julian. Little surprised with Bergevin. Because <laughs> uh, they are sixth in the wild card race. I do want to mention one more thing before we close. Although there's only one one division team ahead of them. So oh, okay. I do want to mention one more thing before we close, only because yep. it's really fun. Uh, and because all those people who thought that that Matthew Kachuk couldn't couldn't fight, and look at the way he's turtling against Zach Cashin. Um, Jeremy Lozon for the Bruins. Uh, entertained the crowd with his first NHL fight against the aforementioned Matthew Kachuk. Now, for those who saw the fight, he held his own. It was entertaining. He was giving as good as he got. He took Matthew Kachuk to the ice, and neither one of them was the worst for wear. So, A, I don't want to hear that Matthew Kachuk doesn't want to fight uh, or is afraid of fighting or was afraid of Zach Cassian. Uh, go back and watch the video. And I'd B, be more afraid that Zach Cassian was going to kick me. And B, Jeremy Lozon can throw down. <laughs> or at least he did in that one fight. <laughs> it was very entertaining. I was surprised. And they talked about it beforehand. They, you know, It was one of those pre-negotiated things after the face-off. They immediately just dropped the gloves. There was no... Uh, no instigator, no nothing. It was talked about. They were going to do it. They made it. And boom, dropped the gloves, went at it. Fair fight. Hey, Zach, you're going to have to look up that term. It's called a fair fight, you know, when actually the other person knows they're fighting. Wait, um, are, are you implying something? I would never do that. I would flat out say it. He sucker punched him and then threw him to the ice and then picked him up and then sucker punched him some more and then threw him to the ice and then sucker punched him some more. Yeah, okay. End of story. Um, but it was very entertaining. So if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It was a good fight. Awesome. Uh, I missed the fight, so I will have to go watch it myself. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for sharing the show. Uh, probably no Twitter poll this week. Uh, I am actually headed out on vacation and will be in the DC area. Uh, if you tweet me, um, I will be around. Uh, I will probably look at Twitter a few times a day. Um, small chance we'll do a supplemental show if anything really, really interesting happens uh, between close the show and the end and the deadline. Um, but uh, You're on based vacation. on the way the deadline, are you kidding me? When would I stop? Pay, <laughs> when I stop paying attention to hockey, I didn't say stop paying the time to wait bury a minute. Me. Wait, time out. I didn't say stop paying attention to hockey. You're going on vacation. Yes, you look at the standings. You look at what happened. You look at what's going on. But do you really want to take time out of your vacation to have another show? Eh, that's another dedic- 25 minute show. That's sure. dedication, my man. I could do yeah. 25 minutes on a couple of trades. Sure, we could. Okay then. So have a safe trip, uh, safe travels. Uh, enjoy Washington. Uh, don't get in any fights with any Capitals fans. Eh, I don't know that any of the Capitol fans would want to fight me. <laughs> and on that note, boys and girls, <laughs> a good uh, uh, have a great week, pe- people.